Well, by that music, you know that another episode of Rock is Bacchus is kicking off. And today, we have an outstanding guest, uh, Daryl McLaughlin. McLaughlin? McLaughlin, yep. Yep. He's a paramedic for the past 37 years, um, and that's 37 years of service on the front line. Um, he's got numerous accolades, including uh, Governor General Exemplary Service Award for 20 years of service, St. John's Recognition Award, Long Service Med, uh, service med Reward, I'm not sure whether that was from 27 years. Uh, that would have been a long service medical or meta, medical medical <laughs> medal for the uh, County of Renfrew Paramedic Service. All right, uh, you, you got a Chief's Commendation recogni- recognition for leadership on uh, mental health, promoting re- resiliency, a road to mental readiness, the uh, R2MR, which we'll definitely cover on in a few minutes. Uh, list of emergency courses again, as long as my arm. Um, uh, he's some of the highlights that I, or one of the highlights I picked out is uh, death notification training. I'm not being ghoulish here, but uh, is death notification something you guys normally do, Daryl? Uh, no, it's you know it was relatively new at the time that it uh, was introduced to us because I, th- I believe a lot of medics um, weren't sure what to say to someone who's lost their loved one yeah. at a scene. And I think it's uh, critically important to know what to say and how to say it and be honest with them instead of beating around the bush. So it was a course that was presented by a longstanding OPP officer that came yeah. in and provided us with that opportunity to learn that and share that with other medics and put it into practice on calls. Okay. Well, we'll get to that from a moment. Um, were there any of those awards that, well, first of all, welcome to Rockets Bacchus. Uh, well, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. <laughs> you have no idea how much of a pleasure it'll be yet. <laughs> Um, many people have left here satisfied, so you'll be one of them. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> um, let's see. I think I covered your list of accomplishments. Anything uh, I I did didn't cover? No, it was fine. Thank you very much okay. for the accolades. Well, you do, well deserved. Thirty seven years is a hell of a long time. Why have you stayed thirty seven years in a, in the uh, paramedic industry? Uh, you know what? It's something that uh, it's always I've always had a passion for, I guess, and it continues to stay with me. Um, and I continue to enjoy it each and every day. Putting on the uniform is a real, uh, real honor each and every day. And the opportunity to help those in your community that need your help is um, self-rewarding. It's not the paycheck. It's actually making a difference in somebody's life. So I continue to follow that passion, and here I am. Oh, that's impressive. You, you either can fake sincerity like nobody else I've met, or you actually <laughs> love your job. No, I do. I mean, it's like any job. There's certainly your moments or your ups and downs, and there always is in this line of work. Yeah. It's an adrenaline train, basically, is how I describe it. But um, for the most part, um, self-rewarding at the end of the day. Are you? Do you come from a line of uh, paramedics? or? No, I'm the oldest of uh, four siblings in my family. I'm the only one to pursue the medical side of things. Right. Everybody else did what? They did other things. My brother works for Global TV, okay. um, doing voiceovers. Um, I have a sister who lives in Toronto, works with uh, pharmaceuticals. And another sister lives in Pembroke that works at Marion Hill. All right. So there's some medical background in, in yeah, A the little family. bit. Yeah. And so, again, thanks for coming. And why, why did you come? What, what brought you here? What do you hope to achieve um, you know what piqued my interest in an opportunity to speak this uh, about how maybe a paramedic might perceive things that people may be not aware of. Okay. Um, it's an opportunity to share maybe some experiences that can help those who are listening. Good. And um, I, I, just, I was interested in doing it, so here I am. 
Are you ready to take over the host? No, seat? I'm not there yet. <laughs> All right. I think you are, Matt. Um, so basically you enjoy giving to the community. You like the challenge of uh, uh, meeting and working with different people. Yeah, it's not your standard job where every day I'm at the office. And there's no disrespect to other people who have jobs, but my office is, is different each and every day. Yeah. Um, it's challenging each and every day. You're constantly being challenged. Um, and I think that's probably the most exciting part of the job. Because a heart attack is a heart attack, but it's not always the same. Yeah. Um, it, it, no matter where the heart attack is, here, Toronto, wherever, yeah. um, the procedures is there. But they present differently. Um, the situations may be differently. Yeah. And um, your, you draw on your past experience to get you through each and every one of those particular calls. What, what's been one of your most interesting calls? I have a whole library full of... <laughs> Of many calls. I think um, on your list there, I had mentioned being off duty at a, because we're coming up to it, Remembrance Day. I can't recall the year exactly, um, but we were all standing there. I had my young son with me, and the veterans were marching, and the gentleman had collapsed just as they entered into the, uh, the Legion area. And his vital signs were absent. People were screaming, you know, call 911. And I'm standing with my child, which I had to hand over to my, uh, my mother, who happened to be there. Mm-hmm. And over I went. And initiated uh, what I had to do once the military fellows let me through and identified myself. So I worked on him, and then the crew arrived. And as a team, we uh, were able to bring this gentleman back. Mm-hmm. And um, he was a military veteran. I had no idea that he was um, a good friend of my dad's. Really? In the military. So they, uh, he lived another probably eight to ten years after that. So it was quite and fortuitous then he, then he that you were there. I was very, but it was a team effort, right? So yeah. I was very blessed to yep. do what I do and uh, able to help this gentleman. But it wasn't the first time it had happened, so it seems to follow me, but uh, blessed with that, those opportunities to help somebody. Well, I'd imagine living in the area, you've worked on a lot of people that your parents know or are friends of the family. Yeah, that's that probably the where your stress comes from. Yeah, um, You don't know. You may recognize the address, but uh, once you arrive and then other people that know you, um, perhaps maybe expecting miracles or whatever, but there's also a sense of relief at their end that they know you. Right. And you're going to make a difference, hopefully make a difference. And that little extra bit of pressure, how do you feel it? Uh, you know what? You got to deal with it, right? It's, yeah. It comes with the territory and it's not always um, welcoming, but it is part of the job and you yeah. do what you can. So have you, you've never worked on a family member? Uh, yeah, actually. Um, before my son was a year old, we got the, the tones had gone off in our uh, base for my address for an infant in uh, respiratory arrest, yeah. which was my child. And I recognized the address right away. I went, oh, <laughs> As oh, you that's would. my place. Yeah. So at that point, I think I had maybe 15 years under my belt and I had done numerous child calls, but they're, they're never easy. No. And uh, lots going through my mind, going to this call. It's my house. It's my child. I arrive on scene and my mom is devastated. My dad's attempting to do CPR on him. I came in and said, hand him to me, and I took him and got in the back, get him on the stretcher, told my partner to put it to the floor, let's go, and I froze. Yeah. I'm a human being, right? This is my child and my dad. It took me a few minutes, I got it together and started uh, what I had to do to resuscitate him and bring him back. So here he is. So it's just a reality of the job that this could very well happen to anybody. I don't wish it on anybody. It's a nightmare of calls. Yeah. And when somebody like yourself asks me, what's the call? There it is. That's the one that sticks yeah. out. And the emotion when you tell it, it's still there. Yeah, it's, it usually hits you after the call. Yeah. Everything that's transpired, it's like, oh my gosh, right? How did I do what I do? Yeah. 
And uh, the moment that he vomited and screamed, Dad, that was good enough for that me. That was good stuff. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the, it was a difficult, difficult call to start with, and we finished up uh, the way we wanted to. Yeah, I, I, I've, I've never worked on a family member directly myself, but I've worked on the children of, uh, of good friends. And uh, yeah, that's, yeah that's, that pressure is unreal. When and, I was teaching mental health, that was the call I would show to new medics. This is the reality of our job. God forbid it happens to anybody, but when you go through it, it's difficult. It never leaves you. And you're in a small area, so chances are, are higher that you're going to be working on somebody. Yeah, and I have throughout my career, yeah. right? Um, some successful, some not so. Yeah. Um, it's difficult because when they see you again, they're not sure how to approach you or talk yeah. to you yeah. or what to say, right? So what? What do you do to handle the stress or something like that? Um, or, or your job, period. Because would you describe your job as uh, stressful? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, you have to address it as it occurs. And you, you can't take it home with you. I tell new people that paramedic is what I do. It's not who I am. Right. So for 12 hours, that's what I'm doing. And when it's over, it's over. I walk out the door and carry on with your life. It sounds a little easier than it is, but it isn't. I mean, it follows you because you're in the grocery store. You run into Mrs. Jones, who you just picked up last week. They yeah. want to talk to you. And so you're kind of like that celebrity on a tabloid. You never really escape what yeah. goes on. So it's very important to leave a good impression. Do the best that you can. And, and, and you know, when they come up to talk to you, take the time to talk to them. Yeah. That'll help you as well. Right. So addressing those concerns is important. Yeah. So still, I mean... You, you make it sound like it's easy to just drop your troubles at the door kind of thing and, and walk in. They're, they're, I, I know myself after, after a six-month deployment, um, coming back home and just, you know, popping back into, uh, into the routine again after seeing whatever you've seen on a 12-hour shift. How, how do you just leave it at the door? Like, do, you, do you exercise? You make oh yeah. Black I, I jokes? play. Uh, you, know, you have to right. We have a sense of humor that most wouldn't understand. Right, and that's important. Um, as, as funny as it sounds, it is important to have yeah. that sense of humor about that particular call. Um, take up activities. Exercising is important. I still play hockey. I play a little guitar, um, and socializing with those that aren't in your line of work can help as well. Yeah, and nothing. No disrespect to those who are in it, but sometimes it gives you a break away from yeah from what you normally see. And no disrespect to military, the six-month deployment, that's all they do, right? When they come back, then it's like, oh, my gosh, right? Yeah, so yeah. it's very difficult for them as well. As a paramedic, it's each and every day I go yeah. into work, right? Yeah. So it's a different kind of... A buddy and I were talking about it on one of the podcasts, which you never listen to. <laughs> I will now. <laughs> yeah. You I'm a fan. To I'm a fan. <laughs> well, my mother will be very happy to hear yeah, that. Yeah, good. Um, it, it's true that... Uh, you know, we go out for that six month adrenaline thing, and like I said, we were we were talking to buddy, or I was talking to buddy about it, and uh, we both thought that our jobs, out of all the jobs, we talked about cops, we didn't talk about paramedics so much, um, but every day you go you go out the door, and you don't know what's gonna, you know, come at you, or you're gonna have to approach, um, whereas we just expect we're there for six months. All you gotta do is focus on that six months, get home, and uh, you know, get training to do it all again. But you guys have to do that every day. And I, and yeah. I really admire that, actually. It, it, and it's, uh, as I mentioned, it's no disrespect to those, but it's just different kind of mental stresses that we deal with, right? Yeah. That's clearly, no question, um, very difficult for you guys as well. And you're right, paramedic are a forgotten breed. They think yeah. of fire and police. And it's no disrespect to those agencies as well. But 
And you guys uh, are just moving bodies around. Yeah. The stats are there to prove that we have a high-stress job. Yeah. Um, when I'm teaching or when I'm talking about it, you have to remember, I'm going to everybody's worst day. Yep. If you have to call 911, that can't be a good day. Yeah. So that's where we're headed, right? Yeah. So you wrap your head around that and you go, I'm going to somebody's worst nightmare. Yeah. And actually, um, uh, OPP fella, Pete, that I uh, um, interviewed, he said much the same thing. You're going to somebody's worst day and you have to approach it professionally. And no matter what's going on, no matter what venom is directed at you, you have to do the job. Oh, without question. And that's what makes it stressful, especially in the community, as you mentioned, that everybody knows you. Yeah. It's like, oh, where am I going now? So have you ever had anybody interfering in uh, what you're trying to do? Um, you know what? Um, more so in the last maybe 20 years um, because people are trained in first aid, CPR, AEDs, and they want to help. And they all think they know what they're doing. Yeah, and they'll come up and tell you know, I'm advanced first aid, which is all fine. Uh, but as a paramedic, we have a set routine and protocols yeah. we to go through. Yeah. I won't uh, ignore that. I'll use them in some other capacity. Yeah. But I have a routine I have to follow. Yeah. Uh, I'm under a base hospital physician, so I have to follow all the rules yeah. that are there. So they don't understand that. I don't have time to explain that, but I do incorporate them because the worst thing you can do is let a first responder just stand yeah. there. They need to feel part yeah. of the uh, the team. It's a team effort, yeah. right? It's never one individual. So he may be able to check your vitals for you, or you can ask him to check the vitals. Or I'll find something. Yeah. Um, and not all medics will, will be like that. Um, fire that arrive on scene are, are good that way. Yeah. Um, you build those relationships, right? Yeah. Would you say fire is well-trained in uh In the last probably 15 to 20 years, there's more of them getting more involved with these particular things. Right. And that probably um, creates a bit of a divide between the two agencies. Now, new medics coming in, maybe not as forgiving as, say, a veteran guy like myself. I know the, a good chunk of them. And taking the time to explain what my role is, we all have roles. Yeah. Um, any little bit of help is great. Is fire pretty happy to hand over the? Oh the yeah, casualty? without question, yeah. they, they are. It, it, look, let's be honest. Uh, they were here first before paramedics arrived, right? Yeah. So um, the standing joke with them is, I don't smell smoke, <laughs> but they are a great help. Um, as are the police, uh, everybody uh, that trying to make. It are they more likely to leave a heavy casualty upstairs and? Uh, with no, you to and be honest, split? they're they're quite good. They'll yeah. offer their. Um, you're noticing it more and more that they want to be part of it. And I make everybody part of the team. I mean, that's important. That's also part of your mental health. To stand yeah. back and not be able to help yeah. does more harm than good, right? Okay. So you're you're kind of a peacemaker as well. <laughs> I guess. I, <laughs> well, it's just that all the stories I hear, the conflict between paramedics and fire. It's always been there. Yeah. It still is to a certain degree. Like they'll park where we should have parked. <laughs> that's a standard. To, but you know what? They all, we all have the same purposes. The end goal is to help you. Yeah. So um, if we can be on the same What do you mean help page? me? Do I look ill? <laughs> <laughs> you never know. Yeah, you never do know. <laughs> all right. Um, what else we got here? So... We talked about uh, the stress. How, how did your family deal with stress? Well, I've been divorced. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that played just a once? bit of a role in it. Yeah, just once. Okay. Um, but I owned a business as well, and it's a different uh, kettle of fish, so to speak. But it does have, you need a partner that can understand why you're so silent or, uh, geez, I noticed you're drinking more than usual or, or whatever the case may be, yeah. right? It's very important to have somebody that's, that understands, which is difficult at best, why we think the way we do, why we 
we act the way we do, but mental health is becoming more and more prevalent, right? Right. We're learning more, we're dealing with more, we're helping more, so. And I think uh, that's what one of the things war is good for, um, is these things, you learn about them. PTSD has been around for a long time, and we're just learning about it now. We're relearning it, actually. We're relabeling it, relabeling it, relearning about it, and now somehow we're treating it. Um, so you know about it, I know about it, and the general you know, first aider guy knows about it as well. So we are making progress. Oh, definitely. We've come miles, miles. We're rec- as you mentioned, we're recognizing it more, but we're actually taking the time to label it and do something about it. Right, but how long is that going to last? Because you look at you look at back as far as say Korea, World War II, Korea, mm-hmm. um, Cyprus, those those little conflicts up that we supposedly learned from, but we seem to keep relearning. I mean, Afghanistan, Bosnia, with which uh, Tater was involved with, um, he you know he came under some very stressful events, came back, and they really had no mental health. Um, Cure or no, you're not right. cure. They didn't. Care. If you remember Rwanda, yeah, I was a young medic then. When the fallout from that was horrific, yeah, nobody knew what to do with these poor souls that came back. Well, nobody um, seemed to realize no, what was going on. They didn't. What's PTSD? What's yeah. their problem? That's what they signed up for. Yeah. And I'm sure you would recognize as I was, as was I when I started. I was from the suck it up and deal with it era. Yeah, absolutely. And that can do more harm than good. Yeah. Whereas today we're we're learning more. There's more out there for us. Um, when I was learning mental health, believe it or not, in my line of work, they went, oh, this is great. This is going to be the new back injury Yeah, where medics would take advantage of that. And yeah. It's unfortunate that people do with everything that comes along. But yeah. I mean, there are those that are going to take advantage of it. Absolutely. And you see it. You don't see it all the time. To blow it out of proportion, no. you don't see it all the time. But you do see it. And it is, it is disheartening. It is. Um, the thing that I draw on was when I started, trauma was so prevalent. It was, you know, it was the top of the the latter, yep. so to speak. And now it's mental health is up there and trauma is way at the bottom. So yeah. you don't see those trauma. They're there, but there's not as prevalent as it once was. We're yep. dealing with far more mental health than ever before. Yeah. And are, in this area, are you dealing with it uh, because they're military or in general? I think it's a combination of both. Yeah. A um, lot more overdoses than I've ever done. Yeah. Yes, we do the opioid overdoses regularly. Um, and, COVID didn't help because it kind of closed the door for your opportunities to go for help. Yeah. Uh, what do you, what do you do now? Telephone somebody or yeah. the one-on-one is so important yeah. to your mental well-being, right? And, and, and being able to, to sit across from a person and go, I trust this guy or girl and I'm going to reveal. Absolutely. So it, it, it raised it even more. Yeah. COVID. So, so do you do a lot of counseling as well? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> with my patients, I do my yeah. best to counsel them the yeah. best I can. And but you only you, you only have a brief time with them, really. Yeah, my time is very short. Uh, it could be a 15, 20 minute ride, maybe. Uh, if it's a transfer to Ottawa from this particular area, I get a little bit longer. Yeah. to get to know them. But on an emergency basis, it's very short, very quick, and I have lots to do with them and getting their trust, so I can do these things to help them. Yeah, is critically important. Yeah, I mean, at least, at least when we're evacuating patients overseas, we have a generally well extreme ranges, but generally there's there's medical setup so that if a guy is hit, hurt, um, mentally incapacitated, you can get him out of the uh, the area and start working on him right away. Um, you and but during that time, we've also been training them uh, to what to expect to their body if they're wounded what happens to their minds, shock, things like that. So we have a training built in for that. Do you guys also have something similar? 
You try to. The calls are... I work on a very busy car. It's yeah. a straight day car from 7.30 in the morning to 7.30 at night, but generally you, you run much later because it's that busy of a car. Yep. So once I complete the first call, um, they're, they're on to me for another one yep. before I can collect my thoughts, get my equipment ready to go Make again it. the next call. Yep. And I have to do paperwork on that particular call. But I can, now i got to go do another call. So, so do, you, do you have it all mounted up at the end of the day, the, pie, <laughs> the paperwork? Sometimes it does. You yeah. try and get it done when you can. But if you get a catastrophic call... Um, and what's catastrophic for you? It could be a major MVC, motor vehicle accident. It could be... Uh, I I'm, think, I'm talking major. Like, when, when is it overwhelming for you? Two or more vehicles? Oh, absolutely, yeah. And they're, let's say two vans, and they're loaded up with six to eight people in yeah. each van. Yeah. Um, I'm sure you recall the home invasion here yeah. in Petawawa. So I was the seven, first... Seven, eight years ago? I was the first medic through yeah. that. Yeah, 2013. Um, that is catastrophic for the area, for those who are involved. But at that point, we did not have what we have today for medics, which is peer support. Yeah. So it was very difficult at the time. So what did you guys do for that? First, uh, we, of, all, first of all, did you recognize there were problems? After the call was done, absolutely there was. Because yeah. the OPP had their way of dealing with it. Yeah. We were trying to figure out how we deal with it. Yeah. But at the same time, business goes on. I had yeah. to clean up, give a statement to the detectives, and get back on the road and do more calls. Yeah. So I never really got a chance. Whereas today, you're done for the day. Yeah, you're decelerating. We need to get you something to eat, kick back, process what took place. Okay, so that, that kind of leads into the next question. What does your boss, who is your boss? Uh, Mike Nolan is the chief of the paramedic service. Okay, but uh, ultimately, is Ontario your... Well, we had a downloading process where the Ministry of Health still has their hands in it, but they okay. downloaded it to each individual, like on the county of Renfrew versus Petawawa Amulet. Okay, and what qualifications does he have? Do you, a guy in his position was... As the chief? Yeah. Oh, he's he has all everything that I would have and, and, and then some for... Some administration for administration, leadership, and so on and so forth. So what, what's in place for you guys then to protect your mental health or so, deal with mental health injury? I was part of uh, the initial group after I had come back and taught the service R2MR. I was trained in Kingston for about a week with Which other was medics. a military thing at first, wasn't it? It was. Yeah. It was introduced uh, to them and put into practice, and it was so effective that they wanted to bring it to fire and paramedics. Yeah. And I became a trainer for that in Kingston. I came back, and um, my co-partner on that helped me teach the service. It was probably over, I think, close to 200 medics, maybe less, that we taught this mental health to. And um, that kind of launched the peer support program that we have. Members would volunteer, but they we also have a psychologist with those peer support members. Okay. So if we do a catastrophic call now, those members are pulled off the road. Um, if they wish to speak to peer support, it's there. Yeah. Um, the psychologist is there as well as an, as another uh, building block to try and get them back on the road as quickly as possible. Do the paramedics generally reach out and accept that help? Some do. Some will reach towards veteran medics like myself. Yeah. Have you seen this or have you gone down this road before, yeah. Daryl? Um, I'm just using me as an example, but yeah. um, that's an avenue too, and that's encouraged. If you're, you have to be comfortable with who you're talking to. Yeah. If you're not, then it's not going to go well. And you, it needs to be a positive to, experience. Exactly. You have to make that That's rapport. Right. That connection. And we've heard this term, it's okay not to be okay. Yeah. Right? So, But a lot of people don't buy into that still with all the focus out there on get mental help. Um, in my past job in the military, um, it, it is open. 
we're told, and that's part of the medical uh, team, you continually go out there, um, you're stressed, you're stressed, you're still, you're stressed. It, it, it's accumulative. And when you start noticing symptoms or people start saying to you, you're a little off, um, they don't necessarily go get help. They still internalize and go, I'm fine. Yeah, I think we're more embarrassed to say that we have a problem. Yeah. I think we all have a certain amount of mental health. I, I recall you asked me, do you think you have any of this? Absolutely have gone down yeah. that trail. Why wouldn't I, right? I'm a yeah. human being. Yeah. You experience them and you, you learn to deal with it, but I don't think it ever goes away. It's accumulative. Mm-hmm. So for a guy like me, um, I have a vault full of calls that I've done that I could draw on. Yeah. But... Um, I think it's critically important to recognize that, and it's not a weakness to to say you got a problem. No, this bothered me. Yeah. Okay, it should. You're a human being. Yeah. And here's what we're going to do to help you. Yeah, and hopefully that gets them back. Now, not all medics make it back. Right. Um, I was mentioning to you earlier the percentage is very. Uh, I think when I was teaching, it was three to five years for new medics, and they were done. And the. Do they just leave the field completely? You know or? what? It can be it can be a particular call that says we never know, right? When it's going to hit you. Yeah. So, um, and I, like I said, it's cumulative, but it could be one call that's catastrophic to them. Didn't expect this to happen to them, so to speak. And you know what? I don't think I can do this anymore. And they walk away. Yeah. Um, um, some get treatment. They're on long term disability for the whatever has occurred to them, and that's unfortunate. But there's still uh, hopefully part of the paramedic family that we can still reach out and yeah. talk to. So you have a high turnover. I, I didn't know what the numbers were. I knew there was a high turnover. Um, but what what are they trying for retention? Like, how, how are you guys prepared when you're first coming into the job to say, you're going to see some horrible shit? Well, you know what? To be honest with you, <laughs> um, I haven't been in the school since the 80s for, for this line of work. I don't think they teach them that. If we, you hear this all the time in the paper, and and, our, and my boss Mike is is an advocate. Of this is a a college, sort of speak. So we all go into one place and we're out, sort of like the OPP have their own yeah. training, and then away you go. Yeah. I think um, age might be a bit of a factor. I I, I know some may not like this, but uh, you came in at eighteen, nineteen years old. What is it you know about life as well? And then you you're thrust into these catastrophic events. Yeah that can mark you for life. If you're 25, as I always tend to say, the frontal lobe of your brain is growing in yeah. and a light bulb goes off. Yeah. Now, it's no disrespect to anybody that's in this line of work. It's just something that I picked up when I was being taught this mental health and it was something that was mentioned a lot. Age could be a factor. I, I would agree. I mean, you're 18 years old. You've just been weaned off your breast feeding kind of thing. <laughs> and you, you really, no matter what you think, I mean, I look back at myself yeah. as an 18-year-old and I'm going... There is no way. I was 19, but not, not to advocate, but it was a different time then. Yeah, but people still died and got they mangled. They did. And- um, I grew up overnight. I got some horrific calls over yeah. on the Quebec side. It's like, what have I gotten myself into? It's always the Quebec side. Oh, it was. Because Drink- the bar. Well, drinking and yeah. driving was socially acceptable, was yeah. it not? The yeah. bar scene was hopping. As you know, on base, everybody had their units. Yeah. Um, the airborne was prevalent. Hoo-ah. Yeah. <laughs> um, they kept us busy. Yeah. Um, so it was just a different time, but yeah, I was pretty young and I was hit in the face with like, whoa, what did I get into? What, what did you do at that time? Did you sort of embrace the party attitude afterwards? Uh, no, I was pretty quiet going, trying to figure this all out because 
I didn't want to show a sign of weakness. Time, but you don't seem like the pretty quiet kind of guy. Oh, I am. <laughs> okay. Um, I didn't want to show any sign of weakness. Yeah. I, went, I got this. This is the job I want to do. I'm going to man up. But I can't uh, let my guard down. Right. Was it the right thing to do at that time? Yeah. Uh, today? No. It's okay to say, you know what? That call really sucked. And, it, uh, and, and when do you start telling your young guys that? Well, I always ask, you know, do you want to talk about it? Like we're leaving. Do you want to grab a coffee? Yeah. Um, now, I'm, I have a full-time partner who's an experienced medic as well yeah. as me. Uh, we're a little bit different, but we're, I'm sure that we're looked upon by the younger medics and ask, you know, we, many times after a shift we'll talk to a crew that's had a call that's really through them because they're new and they didn't learn it in school. There's only so much you can learn in a book. Yeah. You have to get out there and experience it, right? So asking veterans, as did I when I started, made a difference. Yeah. I mean, I, I can, um, as my own, as, as a supervisor, my own self, um, why they kept promoting me, I don't know, but <laughs> they did. And uh, I would have guys come to me and say, is this normal, Doc? Like, or boss or whatever. Um, and I'd go, well, what are you feeling? And they'd go through whatever they were feeling. Oh, yes, it's normal. How long is it going to last? We don't know that, but we can get you some help to, uh, to hopefully... Give, get, get you recovered 99% or 100%. Yeah. I mean, I always thought, I've always asked, I'll ask you this question. Do you think that PTSD is uh, is uh, curable? I don't know. You know what? I've often retur- referred to it since I learned it was PTSI, post-traumatic stress injury, because you're not born with a syndrome, right? right. And I, I mean, don't disrespect to the term at all, but it's something that happens to you yeah. for a prolonged period of time, right? Or it could be one catastrophic event that throws you. Yeah. I don't know as a human being if you'll ever get past it, but you'll learn to cope and deal with it. And there's many ways that are happening now. I mentioned to you earlier that ketamine is a classic drug example of that they're using. Yeah, but um, under controlled conditions. Absolutely. Because they're using psilocybin as well. Yeah, well, yes, they are. Yeah. Special K is it's known yeah. in the street. <laughs> we digress. That's right. Uh, so other than illicit drugs um, under controlled uh, um format what what do you think can be done for uh traumatic stress injuries and it can't you do you believe ultimately they will be cured i don't think one's ever cured from it because each of us are individuals and we respond differently yeah. right and it affects us differently and it'll stay with us differently right some never get past it um Learning to cope with it is a possibility. Learning to deal with it is a possibility. But acknowledging you is is okay. That's part yeah. of the, the process. Acknowledgement, right? I think, is a big important yeah. part of it. But I, I look back at it and I think of all the all the amazing things they've they found in the in the body antibodies to uh, vaccines. <laughs> There's a story. <laughs> yeah, that's a whole past <laughs> yeah. in its own. <laughs> that should that should get a couple of people going. That bastard. Um, <laughs> Yeah, vaccines, brain injuries, and recovering from brain injuries, you know, uh, head concussions, things like that. So I'm not completely in the they'll not cure it kind of thing because there's so much of that brain that we don't know what's going on there. And, I, and I'm hopeful. I don't think it's going to happen in the next decade, but I am hopeful that it will be uh, something that's going to be taught to you other than uh, or treated with something other than a bag of drugs. Yeah, I would hope so, but it it's a reoccurring all the time, right? There's yeah. always something new that happens. Yeah. A particular call is always going to be reoccurring. So yeah. it's trying to prepare medics before they go into college is a possibility, but we just don't know how we're going to respond. Do you do, you do any uh, mental health surveys? Um, uh, 
not mental health, uh, personality surveys done by psychologists or anything like that? Um, when, you, when you join the peer support, that's one of the things. And the key about the peer support where I work was you're voted on by your peers. Yeah. This is who they want if they need to come and talk to you. Yep. And then at that point, the psychologist on board with this group will do their evaluation as yep. well. I won't ask you about your worst. What's your best call? Uh, when somebody makes it. Okay. <laughs> I've had, uh, I've been blessed with numerous, um, what we call a Ross return of a spontaneous circulation. So they're alive, right? Yep. And you run into them again. Yeah, I've been blessed with a few of those opportunities in my career. Resuscitating my child, obviously, is very yeah. good. Um, yeah, that's got to feel warm and fuzzy. That it doesn't. Maybe change. all this training actually works. Yeah. <laughs> you know, how old is your son now? Uh, he's twenty-two. Oh, so, so did he? Did he? Was he a jerk through his adolescence? And you? No, said, no, he was. Hey. Very, he was very good. I didn't have to remind him of that. But <laughs> okay. No, no, he was very good. He was well aware of uh, the story behind it, yeah. right? So, which is cool. Oh, so maybe maybe he was a little more subconsciously he was grateful yeah. when he was being a dick as a teenager. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, delivering babies is huge. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so th- there's there's a lot of uh, you got to find the positive in the negative, right? Yeah. So. I, I delivered a crackhead baby. Um, <laughs> that that was that was a rough one. That's another he, podcast. Because yeah, you had kind of you know mixed feelings about yeah, that. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah, but wow. the, the kid went off uh, an addict, of course, and mom was pleased she had delivered the baby. Oh, oh that was that was nasty. But it, but again, you know, yeah, you were doing something. You're thinking. What kind of life is this kid going to have? But then the kid comes out and you think, ha, what a great kid. Let's hope he sorts himself out. Yeah, like I said, find the positive in the negative, right? Exactly. (laughs) So uh, there's a lot of stories out there. There is. I Um, should write a book. You should. Or do a podcast. Yeah, that's it, right? (laughs) Any idiot can do a podcast. (laughs) Look at me. (laughs) Um, 